in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 622 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are live in the Leshrom studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, yeah, we got to talk about the Confident Man Ranch. <laughs> There's a ranch that men go to, and supposedly after they get done ranching, they're very confident. Also, uh, Bothell. Yeah, we just came on live in Bothell. We got to tell you about a great listing there for under a million dollars. And boy, is it a hit, you guys. Is, uh, we have gone open. Yeah, open house today. We're recording this on a Sunday. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Let's talk a little sports as, <laughs> as the Mariners... Ron, they missed it by this much. They missed it by a game, and I have to tell you, I get tired of talking about the 95 team. We were there in 95. We are on the radio in 95 we for KJR. Uh, I was sitting in the Gatorade seats at the Kingdom uh, watching that 95 team. Uh, and, and, and looking back at the 95 team, they underperformed when you when when you look at the cash cars and stars that were on that team. I mean, Tito Martinez was on that team. Randy Johnson was on that team. Edgar Martinez was on that team. Ken Griffey Jr. on that team. Alex Rodriguez on that team. Little Joey Cora on that team. Henderson, Dave Henderson, Big Dave Henderson on that team. I could go on and on and on and on and on. Norm Charlton on that team. And, and we don't know them just because they were Seattle sports icons. We know them because they were some of the very best baseball players ever. And so to me, I look at that 95 team and I went, wow, they really underperformed. Then I look at the 2001 team that won 116 games and they ended up going nowhere. Boy, did they underperform. And then I look at this team. I feel a little different about them. The Mariners have done a great job building their young pitching staff. They are very young. They are very good. And they just ran out of gas at the end of the season. And let's not forget, the front office gave up on this team when they sent away one of their best relievers to the Arizona Diamondbacks. But we ended up with two players as a result of that. And those two players, especially Rojas this year, uh, they played pretty darn good. So I have to say, I've enjoyed going to the games. I think it's one of the best ballparks out there to go and enjoy a game. The food's amazing. Uh, the people are amazing. The staff's amazing. I just wish one of these years we could go a little farther. And instead, we're stuck now talking again about the 95 team and the 2001 team. And we missed it by this much. And did we spoil things for the Rangers? We did. But once again, uh, the Astros are probably on their way uh, to the World Series. What say you about the, the, the Seattle Mariners? Are you as sick as I, Ron, talking about the 95 and the 01 team? My, my objection as a sports fan, and I may be a little bit different when it comes to baseball, but you want to win the championship. Uh, there are only six teams in all of Major League Baseball that have never won a World Series, and, and the Mariners are chief among them. Uh, and so when you look around the league, there are, are teams that came in like the Arizona Diamondbacks 
that have, have been around way less time than the Mariners have and have already won a championship. Yeah, expansion Four, team. Florida Marlins yeah, yeah. won a championship. So right now it's the Mariners, the Brewers, Padres, Rangers, Rockies, and Rays are the only teams that have not won a World Series. And so ownerships, though, view these things differently. Like for a long time, uh, I think the Seattle Mariners were not interested in winning a a championship. They wanted to put a team on the field. They uh, took advantage of this loyal fan base, in my opinion, knowing that people would go out to the ballpark. Uh, it was a wealthy community. They would pay a lot of money for tickets. They would buy a lot of concessions, pay for parking. And there, there was never a, a urgency that you'll see with other teams. Having said that, in modern baseball, you can't just go out and buy a championship. The, the Mets tried that. The Mets had a billionaire owner. He went out and spent all the money that you could possibly spend, and they still didn't win. So it's not a guarantee you're going to win. At the same time, uh, you have to spend a certain amount of money to go out and do it. And that was Lou Pinella's frustration all the time of like, yeah, I have this roster, but we need, let's say, a reliever or I need a closer or I need another bat down the stretch. And the ownership at that time was kind of like, hey, you, you have what you have. Go win it with what you have. And, and he became frustrated with that. Um, last year, we broke the longest drought in, in all of professional sports, not just baseball. The playoff drought that the Mariners broke last year was the longest in all of professional sports. So that felt good. And if you had done it back to back years of at least making some progress, I would have felt better about it. But getting down to the last weekend, it's the same as if we were out a month ago. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's exciting. I think it's worse. Yeah, I, you're I probably right. I tuned into the broadcast today and, and, and the broadcasters were in a severe depression. I, I, I think it's worse. And, and really, you do, you do have to buy a championship at some point. You do have to buy pitchers. There'll be a lot of teams out there that will want to buy some of the pitchers from the Seattle Mariners next year. And they're going to have to decide because they, they have a team right now where they, do, they don't have the bats. There's not a lot of players that want to come here and play because it's hard to hit it out of T-Mobile Park, which used to be Safeco Field, when it's cold out. I mean, you look at April, May, into June, the Mariners can never hit it out of the park, and the teams that come visit can never hit it out of the park. There is, something, serious, there is something to the marine layer there is. at T-Mobile Park. But if you and were, in order to get a player here, you know... Are we like, going after Otani? Yeah. Like, like the Mariners should be going after Shohei Otani. They should get Ichiro Suzuki on an airplane that was his idol growing up, bring him in here, do a full-court press. He's getting Tommy Jones. To, to, it doesn't matter. Like, that's a guy that would bring star power to the Northwest. He's one of the biggest bats. Even if he never pitches again, he's one of the greatest hitters. That's true. I'm saying making some sort of move like that, that if Otani was here, now you have a magnet to get some other players going, wow, Seattle's serious. They went out and won the Otani sweepstakes. They, they want to win now. Now you get some free agents and get some judges there. But I, I, in my estimation, we're just going to be like, ah, it'd be great if you wanted to come here, but eh, no. Yeah. Well, and anyway, by the time you're listening to this, I think, did the Cougs Coug it or did the Cougs win this weekend? That I don't know. I haven't checked the Coug game. I'm going to look. Huskies won last night. They have a hard time winning in Arizona. Uh, they skeak one out in Arizona again, and it's Monday Night Football tonight. How do you like your Seattle Seahawks so far? They're a very young team, and I have to say, 
with a team like this, and I said this back in 2012 when they were playing with such young talent, I said, you really won't know until you're eight games in. And that's kind of how you feel about this team, too. They're certainly not the team that played the Rams. And at the same time, they are a team that can stop the run. But now we find out, you know, three of their four guys in their secondary are hurt and their, se- their secondary is a little suspect. But... Pete Carroll always plays great on Monday Night Football. So I I hope as they go and they play the Giants, they remember, hey, this is a place where we won a Super Bowl. So how about that in Miami, which blew out Denver last week, 70 to 20? They actually lose today in kind of a blowout, and Denver actually wins. So the the NFL is designed for every team to go 8-8, every team to have parity. That's why they have a salary cap. That way every team is in it. And, and Ron, it seems like right now every team is in it except for maybe the Chicago Bears at 0-4. Um, it, it is so disheartening to me as a person that's followed the Pac-12 for so many years. They're having such a phenomenal season. All of the storylines are in the Pac-12, and it is going away next What do you year. like about that? I don't like the Pac-12. I don't like the Pac-12 network. I don't like any of the broadcasters on the Pac-12 network. I think it's super cheeseball. I don't like the fact that we have to stay up until midnight, sometimes on the West Coast, in order to watch a game. That Arizona game last night, nobody saw it. Nobody saw it except for maybe me. Did you see it? I didn't see Nobody it. Nobody saw it because it's on so freaking late. That's like so the, the, Heisman, bottom line, the Heisman the bottom, talk. The bottom line is these guys are going to get on airplanes. They're going to be able to use the transfer portal now. They're going to go play on the East Coast and the Midwest. So a lot of these young kids that want to play in the NFL and they want money in their pockets because chances are they're never going to go play in the NFL, but they can make money now. And you know who's proven that? Deion Sanders. So look for more. Deion Sanders type coaches that we are going to see crop up in the NCAA and look for younger players now, especially college players, to get what they deserve. They deserve to be paid for all the money and all the greatness that they bring to all these schools. Because at the end of the day, there's two sports at any university that make money. It's men's basketball and it's men's football. And I know women hate to hear that, and I'm not a woman hater at all. I love women's sports. But when you have women's soccer players, for instance, standing up, or basketball players going, we want to get paid the same, you can't get paid the same until you can deliver eyeballs and you can deliver television contracts the way that men do. And you thought you saw players get uh, paid at the NFL level. Wait until you see some of the cash cars and stars, some of the money. You think of Deion Sanders' son? They say next year. Next year, just off endorsements, he'll make somewhere between 10 and $25 million and he's playing college football. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron Adon here for Les Schwab. And guess what? It's the summer driving season, so that probably means that you want to take your boat somewhere. Yeah, or maybe you want to take your travel trailer, your Jayco, the little pop-up, whatever it is. A lot of times when they're driving, we think of things on four wheels, but not the other thing on two, four, or eight wheels. And that could be your travel trailer or your boat trailer, or your ATV trailer. Guess what? Les Rob has you covered this summer. Yeah, right, we've Ron? told you about the free pre-trip safety check. Take your boat trailer in there. There's nothing worse than getting a flat or problem with, with the boat on the back. We had a boat fly off a trailer when I was a kid. It was a disaster. So go to Les Schwab right now. Set that up. You can schedule your appointment in advance at leschwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. <laughs> Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. 
I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico. And we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home. And that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, is the summer much? You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don show. This is kind of interesting. I was sitting with a friend last night who has cancer, and Ron, I know you sat with him a week or so ago, and he is coming to the end of his nine-year journey of fighting cancer. So he stopped using drugs. We'll talk about this probably probably more in the future, and I know it's something that he would want us to talk about. But I have to say, sitting with him last night, having some of the conversations that we had, being tender with each other, holding hands, uh, I kissed him every time I see him, and every time I leave, a warm embrace. I give him a, 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 as much as he can handle and take. I feel really lucky to have a lot of the male friends in my life that I have, uh, to have Ron here, to have my friend, uh, coach Scotty, who coached some football with us today. Um, and I think of my other friends like Joe and the two Mikes and Dave, and it could go on and on and on. And, and the thing that I love about these guys is they don't sit around and talk about women that they want to bang. They don't sit around and, and talk ill of their spouse or their partner. Uh, but I can say this, one of the things that they are uncomfortable with sometimes when I talk Talk to them is they are uncomfortable talking about therapy. And if you know a man that's in his late 40s, 50s, and 60s and beyond, therapy is just not something that you talked about. And if you did, you hit it. If you went to an AA meeting, there's a reason that alcoholics are anonymous. It's too bad to me that you have to be anonymous and you can't come out and you can't speak the truth. But you know what? I know people that have come out, spoken their truth, for instance, about alcohol anonymous. And the next thing you know, they get whacked out of job. I know a couple guys who were at Cairo radio who came out and said, Hey, I struggle with substance abuse. And I don't know if this had anything to do with their firing, but a number of months later, these guys were gone from the radio station. So I think Women do a much better job in talking about therapy. I have to say, my son is wide open when it comes to mental health. Ron likes to call it mental fitness, which I think is really, really great. Uh, and, and then I saw this story the other day about a confident man ranch, a confident man ranch. And growing up, Ron and I actually used to take kids to a ranch. He used to actually be uh, uh, a camp counselor at a ranch. In fact, you ran a camp with horses and repelling and all that. I ran a water camp. It was very, very cool. And something happens. It's very cool when you put your phone down, you go away, you focus on you, uh, and you say, you know what? I need to get, I need to get better. I, I, I need to make some strides in my life. I need to leave some things behind. I need to grow up. I need therapy. I need to be around other positive men, whatever that is. Uh, and, and again, I have to say, I feel very fortunate to have the male group that I have. But what say you about, about a confident man? I, I, I love this article. 
It was really interesting. It's a, it was two guys that met each other. One guy had a ranch. The other guy was, was kind of a therapist and they teamed up to make this, this week long camp. <clears throat> and the thing I found really interesting with it is they team, they bring together equine therapy and traditional sort of talk group therapy into one session for this reason. Uh, and, and I think you and I both had a phase where we went through this. A lot of men, me included at one point, had a extremely limited menu of feelings. If you in, in the, they talk about in the article, the guy says, the first time I asked somebody, how are you feeling? He says, 90% of men will tell you what they did that day. They will tell you uh, about the guy that cut them off on the freeway and it made him angry. They'll tell you a story. And he's like, that's not what I asked. That's how are you feeling? And most men, it, it, for a lot of reasons they go into in great depth, have a very limited palate of how they feel. Most men feel hungry. They feel horny. <laughs> or they feel angry. Yeah. Those are the three emotions that they can identify. They're hungry. They're angry or they're horny. Yeah. And so and, and it's a little bit funny, but that's true. And so there's no nuance to it. So the first session they have with these guys is they literally have a printout of emotions yeah. to say, we're going to identify, help you to identify how you actually feel. Because in, and for me, it was growing up from a very little kid and, and you and I coached some youth football today. I have clear memories of being seven, eight years old, getting hit and wanting to cry and not being allowed to cry uh, because that's not what, what, what men did. And I wasn't a man. I was eight years old. And so I would, or I lost a big game that I really wanted to win and I wanted to cry. I would be told to not cry, to suck it up, to be a man. Uh, we don't do that around here. And so I learned this lesson that, that those, those emotions are not okay. I can never show that I'm afraid. I can't show that I want to cry. I can't show disappointment oh, through wow. through emotion. That's good. I have to be a stoic and be a man and suck it up and walk it off. Mm. Uh, even if I felt like I was injured, you're fine. Walk it off. And so that's a common experience with a lot of these guys. And so that's where the horses come in. And this I've never heard of someone combining, but it's really uh, ingenious. They said, and if you've ever been around horses, you know this is true. Horses are either afraid of you or they accept you. Mm. There's no in between. Mm. You've told me that. Yeah. And and they said that the, if even if you don't know how you feel, because Ron has owned many horses or a number of horses by the way. If yeah. even if you don't know and can't articulate what your emotional state is, the horse knows and remembers it. And, right. And he will either accept you or the horse is going to shun you. Mm. Those are the only two things they're going to have with a horse. horse knows. So they go into the first session with the horses and they have a half hour orientation. And the first session is you're going to get in the stall and you're going to do 20 minutes of groundwork, but you're not going to get on the horse. There's no saddles. Uh, you're not going to ride. You're just going to spend time with the horse. And the, the guy that's doing this story says he goes in there and he's psyched himself up because he's not a real animal horse person, but he really wants this to work. So he goes in and the instructor's like, okay, we'll try to stroke his, his face, the horse's face. And if you've been around a horse, a lot of times you will pet the, the nose of the horse. 
He starts to reach out to the horse, and the horse pulls away. Mm. Horse doesn't want to be around him. Horse pulls away, turns his head, goes to the other side of the stall. And the guy said he was devastated. He was trying to be confident. He was trying to be in a good emotional state. He was trying to project uh, that he wanted to team up with this horse. He's at a ranch called the Confident Man <laughs> right. Ranch. You got to have some confidence. Yeah. And it wasn't working. Mm. So then the next day they do a ride. Uh, and then by day three, he said, he, and you get the same horse for the whole week. Day three, he goes in to do his morning stuff with the horse, you know, muck the stall, do the feeding, all that stuff. And the horse came over to him. He put his hand out to the horse's nuzzle, and then the horse leaned into him. Mm. And he said he only just about started crying. Mm. The horse, like, put his, exposed his neck to the man, which means that you can, you know, the horse is going to allow you uh, to, to put your hand on the side of its neck. And through the week, they would do horse stuff during the day. They would have a couple sessions. And then the other genius thing they did is each guy in the room drew a sheet of paper out of the hat on day one. And you were supposed to observe the person that you drew their name out of. Mm. And at the end of the week, you were going to have a one-on-one or a a one to the group. And you were going to say what you noticed about that other man. Mm. Uh, what is he like? What are some good things you saw? What, what do you admire about him? What did you notice that he did or that he didn't do? And so through the end of the week, these men, um, many of them had real breakthroughs where they can just even the, again, a guy went back to his wife and was like, I now have more than three emotions. You know, I am going to express to you, hopefully frequently, how I'm actually feeling. Yeah. And I know now I have a vocabulary where I can do that and it will be okay for me to say that I'm scared or to say that I'm, it's so funny in the real estate business, you and I do, we'll deal with men. And I'm thinking of one client in particular, terrified about his future financing, selling their biggest asset with a house. And, and instead of saying that he was scared, he got really angry at me and you over very small things. And what was really happening there? He didn't have any emotional bandwidth. So the only way it could come out, instead of him being able to say, this is really scary for me to have a family and to be the man of this family and to not know if these finances are going to work and if my future is secure, instead of saying that, he's going to lash out at Don. Yeah, Don, why didn't you do the thing with the deal? And it's like, whoa, dude. Oh. Like, what are we talking about here? Why didn't you leave the pink? What's really interesting right. is the most important thing to him was, and you didn't even tell me you were going to talk about this, and this was a number of years ago, but it was keeping a pink door on the house, right? That's really interesting to me that he wanted to do that. Why do you, so why do you think we're here? Why do you think men are, why, why, are, why, why are we this way? Uh, I think it's to me, and we talk about it a lot, but like our, well, so our grandfather's generation coming back from World War II, it was unspeakable trauma and there was no cultural way to deal with that trauma. And so when those men came back, they didn't want to tell the stories they were told a couple things. One, the fact that you made it back, you're not a hero because the men who died are the heroes. Uh, and while I, I get the logic of that phrase, it's not true. The men, everybody that went into battle was a hero in my book. Didn't matter what your role was. 
if you served your country, you're a hero. So they had this one narrative that's telling them they have to downplay who they are, that they're not really heroic. And then they had no way to come back and say, hey, people at the Elks Lodge or at church or my wife and family. So this one time I walk up and a guy's leg is blown off and he's screaming at me. And I'm trying to do a tourniquet, and the tourniquet didn't work, and my buddy died. Yeah, and then, or, hey, yeah. I ran across these yeah. uh, Auschwitz survivors who were 85 pounds uh, and were being starved to death. Or there was a, a stack of bodies uh, 12 deep, uh, thousands of bodies in this mass grave. How, how do you talk about that? Then our grandparents <coughs> raised our parents. Right. The, the, our grandparents were called the greatest generation. Our parents were called the silent generation. And then along come the boomers carrying everyone's pain and trying to make it okay for everyone, but still being very stoic and not, and not talking. Yeah. So then that goes into, you know, our generation, which I already talked about, Uh, you know, man up, don't show these things. Uh, And we've talked about this before, like my lifelong struggle with food was that I wasn't allowed to pay attention to my own body cues. Didn't matter if you were hungry or full. It mattered that when it was time to eat, we were going to put food on your plate and you clean your plate. That's how we do it. And you you do, you weren't allowed to say, I'm full. You weren't allowed to say, I don't like this dish. You had to say, pass the lima beans. Right. You weren't allowed to say, I don't like lima beans. You ate the lima beans. Oh, and, and you cleaned your plate. I've never met a person that likes lima beans. And so you... No you then, it, I was. It wasn't until I was a teenager, maybe even high school or college age, where I was like, "Wait a minute! You can stop eating when you're full. Like that's a thing. Like you, you don't have to just keep going." Like I met people once I was out of the house, where I was like, "Wait a minute! You, you don't get to just." It blew my mind because I just that that wasn't how I was yep. brought up. So I, after decades of not acknowledging. Like knowing what full was, even something as basic as that. I think that there's a whole generation of guys like me and you that don't know. We don't understand what an emotion feels like or what a body cue is. Yeah. And, and I think what happens as we grow older, I, I think where Ron and I are at in, in our 50s, we'll, we'll probably go to a few more funerals, say a few more eulogies. Uh, uh, than we will when we were wedding singers. Because <laughs> we were wedding singers back in the day. Uh, and, I, and I think when that happens, I think, it, I think it sends you scrambling. When you lose somebody that is very, very close to you, uh, like how do I say goodbye to them? And then when they're gone, uh, how, do I, how do I carry that? How do I carry their memory? How do I honor them? And, and at the same time, really what it is, it's a mirror into your own life. Cause you're really in that moment, when you see one of your best friends suffering and dying, you think about how am I going to suffer? I thought about it this morning. I got out of the shower. I, 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 I wonder how I will suffer. I wonder if it'll be fast. I wonder if I'll just be gone one day. I wonder if I'll have time. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about our friend that, that we've been spending time with. Uh, he's had years to say goodbye and he knows that yeah. and, and he sees that as a blessing and the word bless, blessing is a privilege and uh, that's very very different than when you lose someone suddenly Yes. And the, the, the one thing I'll close with on this article I thought was really charming is this guy goes through confidence camp 
Uh, they still have a, a, a group text thread that they have that all the guys, it's been months now, they still check in on each other every day. And he said the thing that he does now that he was too afraid to do before is he always loved to dance to techno music when he was 20 years old. Yeah. So he's in his 40s, late 40s, early 50s now. He found a techno club. He goes by himself once a week. He's the oldest guy there. And he goes out, doesn't drink any alcohol, doesn't do any ecstasy, none of the club stuff that, you know, he did back in the day. He dances the techno by himself. And he just gets out there on the dance floor and he says, he know, he's, now he can say, I like how this feels. That's great. I know, I'm confident, I'm a confident enough man to know when I'm out here dancing by myself, I'm not a fool because I, li- I know how it makes me feel. Yeah. And sometimes he rides a horse in there. (laughs) See you on the other side. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down. And that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates. And then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan and we will cover the lender fees for you so that's the rate and replace program replace that rate very cool so that's a a really a good incentive for buyers Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that mitch at mitch.loans will replace that rate check him out right now online at mitch.loans that's mitch.loans all right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron Don Show. We are live in Bothell, Washington, and it's a, it's, it, it's a home where I actually started talking to the seller about a year and a half ago, and it's a situation that we've shared a lot where someone passes away in the family, a home is left behind. It wasn't exactly penciled out in the will who the POA was and how all this was going to work. There was a reverse mortgage on the house, And the house had a ton of deferred maintenance uh, because grandma got very, very sick. So she didn't take care of the yard. She didn't take care of of any of the mechanicals. The family came in, tried to fix some of this stuff. The the house just got away from them. Uh, And so we've been in contact for about a year and a half. Things went through the courts, probate. They reached back out. They said, hey, can you come out to the house? And, and, And I really want people to understand. When you invite us into your home, and, and I, I always see that as being very sacred, and people so many times are embarrassed at, at, at the condition of the home, and, and you shouldn't be embarrassed because life happens, right? And you talk to any paramedic, firefighter, or police officer that often will go see people on one of the worst days of their lives and the walk into homes. And I think we watch too much HGTV sometimes and we think that's the way that everybody lives in a staged home. And it's just not, right? So so anyway, we had an open house for this particular home. Uh, we spent the past couple months working on it. 
it's a beautiful home for under a million dollars. If you want to see it, you can go to Ron's Facebook page or mine. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. And you can check that out online. And I think by the time you hear this, I think our offer review day is coming up. But I have to say that the th- Lily was out doing what she's on a, one of our team members and 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 she sent these amazing notes from her open house today. And the thing that made me feel the best and maybe, and maybe this is just my uh, this is probably some ego. But but somebody that toured the house wanted to know if a professional contractor owned the home because of how perfect it looked. And I have to say, I was looking at some before and after pictures this week. I am really proud of our team and all the great work that they've done. I'm going to release some, some more of those pictures uh, tomorrow morning on my Facebook page if you want to see them. It's been a very heavy lift, but I'm a weightlifter, you guys, and I like lifting heavy things. So I just want to encourage you when you need to reach out, do it sooner rather than later. We started talking with this seller a year and a half ago, and it took this long to get to where we're at. And the great thing is, I think in the coming week and or weeks, as we sell and go to close, I think we're going to put an awful lot of money and a single mom's bank account. She has a son. She has two children, but one is special needs. So they really need this money. And it's one of the reasons why grandma left this home behind to take care of him. And I couldn't be more thrilled. So anyway, we are still for sale in Bothell. And Ron, you set out this open house yesterday. What do you, what did you kind of learn? And I know that we'll talk more about this in our real estate only Friday show about what we're learning as, as we go out, as we sit at open houses, we talk to clients, as we buy, sell and invest, we have a huge party coming up for our clients uh, coming up this Saturday, which we're very excited about. Uh, Many of you have been invited to that. If you're one of our clients and we didn't reach you, reach out to me, maybe your family, friends, maybe you just want to come. No, if your family, friends, clients reach out to me and, uh, and we'll make sure we get you a specific invite. And I want to thank Cha-Cha Heels, who listens to this podcast, for being our professional chef for this. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to be great. I, I have got my sound system ready for the party, and so uh, I, I might bring the disco ball, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know if it's that kind of party, but we'll yeah. see. Um, Sounds like that's the after party. There you go. Been fun. It's been interesting to sit in an open house where... The people that are expressing, you can, you can tell when someone is interested in a house in an open because there are people that will come in, they don't want really to make eye contact, they're in and out in three minutes, uh, and most of the time those folks are just kicking tires. Mm-hmm. If someone comes in and they're there for 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, they ask a lot of questions, they're showing genuine buyer type of interest, you can tell that. But the thing that I'm noticing is that it, the, the people are a little bit younger than normal, and I think that's because they, and I'm, I'm making a guess here. I think they don't have this knowledge that this interest rate is all that crazy. Like if this is the first home you've ever bought, or if you've, you know, not gone through a bunch of real estate transactions, or you didn't already have a mortgage at a different interest rate, like, okay, this is the game we're playing now. Yep. And so I'm seeing some people with that attitude that wow. have come in and have just like, yeah. hey, like I, we have a one-year-old. We need a bigger house. Yeah. And so doesn't matter if the interest rate is 6.5% or 2.5%. My one-year-old is here. Yep. Like, right, I, we need a bigger house. And so I, I like that we're seeing 
some folks sort of digest the fact that the economy is going to be what the economy is. And that means interest rates are higher than they were two years ago, and they're not going down anytime soon. So uh, if they want a bigger house for their one-year-old, they are going to step up and hopefully buy this house. So that's that's been interesting. That, that's changed. Because for a while there, people were just like, na na la 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 that it's coming yeah. back la la I'm, I'm gonna deny reality it's coming back down it's coming back down blah 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 blah, blah. And, and that's not happening best time to buy a home is now and the, all the tax benefits and all the appreciation that you'll garner and i'll tell you what buy a home right now and hang on to it for five to seven years hell hang on to it for 10 years if you can buy and hold that home uh chances are if you do that here in the pacific northwest not only will you make hundreds of thousands of dollars but it's the way i became a millionaire off to just buying my first home it made me a millionaire 10 years later how about that you guys hey if you need us we do something called ronadon sit down yeah it's a zoom call it takes about 30 to 45 minutes and we see if we'd be a good team member for you to buy or sell a home and as don said if life through your curveball, either a good curveball or a bad curveball, and a piece of real estate is involved, get in touch with us. We are very good at uh, getting you to the next chapter. Yeah. So anyway, just reach out. Run it on Sinan.com. If you want to see the house in Bothell right now, Don O'Neill, go to my Facebook page or Run Up Shaw, and you can check that out. And if you ever want to tour one of our properties, uh, we're happy to tour that with you. And in fact, we have another property coming on here, I think October six that we can't wait to tell you about so probably next week all right so a lot of great things happening anyway if you need us head up shoulders back just go to ron and don sit down.com and we will see you next time you've been listening to the ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time only 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 on the ron and don radio network 